Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us. This is a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 332. It's titled, What is Tail Risk? And Are You Taking Too Much of It? Last week, Laprille and I got stuck in a rare snow and ice storm that hit Texas, where millions were without power and unable to heat their homes. We had spent Saturday night in El Paso, Texas. We saw there was going to be a winter storm between El Paso and San Antonio, where we were heading, where we were dropping off my son and daughter-in-law's Subaru that they had repaired back in Tucson, where we spend the winters. We debated whether we should stay in El Paso or not, maybe wait a day, but I thought, I've driven in the snow a lot. It's a Subaru. It has new tires. We should be just fine. And indeed, the car at least for the first day, performed quite well. But it was an absolute mess. There were so many wrecks. At one point, there was a Chinese woman in the middle of the highway, waving us down. We thought it was another wreck. It turns out she and her husband had got stranded on the other side of the expressway and needed a ride back to the next town where they had a hotel. It took us eight hours of driving, and we realized we wouldn't be able to reach San Antonio. Our other son booked us a hotel in Osona, Texas, because our cell phones weren't working right. The next morning, the car was dead. We put in a battery, and then we started driving again. We didn't make it far. We got stuck at a rest stop. Our cell phones didn't work. It was 15 degrees. I finally found somebody that called the police for us, rescue us. But before the police arrived, the car started again. So we thought, well, we'll at least try to get to the next exit and maybe we could get a hotel. The car stalled again. We coasted about a half a mile off the highway and ended up stranded on the side of the road in Sonora, Texas. It's not a very big town. There's no taxis. There's no Uber. We presume the problem was the alternator was out. We got a hold of my son who wanted to come and install a new one. So we had to get back about 38 miles to Osona, Texas, where we had a hotel room. I at least had the presence of mind to book another night's room at the hotel just in case something came up. We couldn't get back. I called the police. They said they couldn't help. They didn't have the resources. The operator said, call a tow truck. Well, I did. They weren't going to pick us up. They only tow cars. AAA doesn't do it either. They only arrange for tows. We just needed a ride back to where a hotel was. I called the auto parts store where I had paid a couple guys to put the battery in. 
They didn't want to come pick us up. I had Brett check if we had any PLUS members in the area. The closest one was in Kerrville, too far away. I called our web developers because they live in Houston. Do they know anybody in Sonora? Turns out their neighbor had family that lived there, but he was 80 and they couldn't get a hold of him on the phone. Finally, Brett got in touch with a local leader from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that lived an hour and a half away, and it turns out he knew a couple in Osona who said they were willing to come and get us. Complete strangers. They both worked for the school district, the husband and wife, and they came. We were on the side of the road about two hours, and it was cold. The next day, Brett and his father-in-law came, they picked us up, and we made it to San Antonio. Barely because we hardly had any gasoline, because the filling stations were closed or out of gas because of power. It was an extremely rare event, the coldest that has been in Texas since 1989. If we look at the weather in San Antonio, in a typical year, it varies between 43 degrees and 96 degrees. It rarely falls below freezing. If we were to plot a graph of temperatures in Texas, most of the observations would be in the middle, around 70 degrees. This is a bell curve, a normal distribution. 15 degrees Fahrenheit is where we were, to the far left of this distribution. And that far left is called the tail. Tail events are extreme outcomes or very rare observations. Because they're in the tail on the ends of the distribution, they're called tail events. Tail risk is the personal harm that these extreme events can cause. How does it impact us? In the worst case, we could be ruined. We could die, or we could go bankrupt. We could run out of money. This weather event was a tail event. It was an extreme event. It was rare. Now, Lapril and I were in a, I wouldn't call it a dangerous situation, certainly very uncomfortable. I have not been that stranded in many years. It took a while to find help. We were kind of at wit's end. As investors, we can control the amount of tail risk that we take. We can protect against it by buying insurance. We can self-insure and have enough buffer to survive extreme risk, or we can insure others and sell tail risk protection. I had a friend this past week share with me an example of a couple that chose to take extreme tail risk. They took $1 million in December, most of their net worth, and bought Bitcoin. They've doubled their money, but they still won't take it out. It could have gone the other way. What if Bitcoin had fallen from 30000 back to sixteen, like it was in early November? Their net worth would have been cut in half. I'm amazed at people that have that type of conviction that would bet their net worth on Bitcoin. And I own Bitcoin, and I have for years. But I've sold Bitcoin twice this year to take profits because I don't know where the price of Bitcoin is going to go. And it started to be too big of a percentage of my net worth. I just was uncomfortable with that amount of risk. In traditional finance, risk is measured by volatility or the variability of returns. 
In my book, Money for the Rest of Us, 10 Questions to Master Successful Investing, I point out for most investors, volatility is not risk. It's the personal harm caused by extreme events, by the tail risk, these tail events. Now, the amount of tail risk you have with financial markets depends on your age. This couple that bought Bitcoin are older. Their retirement plans could be significantly impaired if Bitcoin fell by half. We had a discussion recently on Money for the Rest of Us Plus in one of the weekly Plus episodes. It was questions by two members in their 30s. One lives in the Netherlands, the other in Bosnia. And they were talking about buying tail risk protection from severe stock market losses. Buying this protection is expensive. I priced this out this morning. If we wanted to buy protection by put options, which I'll describe in more detail in a minute, and protect against stock market losses of greater than 20%, it would cost 2.1% per year. So that would be the performance drag. Our expected return for stocks is 6%. After paying for this protection against losses greater than 20%, that potentially reduces the expected return down to 4%. Hopefully, our returns would be higher because we could avoid some of that tail risk, but that's what it costs for this protection. If we wanted to protect against a 30% loss, it would cost about 1% per year. Whereas if we want to protect against losses greater than 10%, it could cost up to 7% per year. The amount that it costs to protect against stock market losses varies. It depends on the environment. Specifically, it depends on the implied volatility. What's the volatility expectation priced into options contracts? For the S&P 500, this implied volatility is known as VIX, V-I-X. Right now, VIX, near-term VIX, is at 24. That's higher than average, and so the cost to protect against market losses is higher. Now, for these two individuals that are members of Money for the Rest of Us Plus, they're in their 30s. If the stock market falls 40, 50 to 60%, they will not be ruined because they have most of their life ahead of them. They have human capital their ability to earn income, to make up losses. So they don't need to protect against a market loss of that magnitude. They can self-insure against that tail risk because of the value of their human capital. I have an example from another friend, Tony Brock. He gave me permission to use his name because he's a dentist in North Phoenix. And he says, I always like people to promote my brand He's a very good dentist. We went to high school together. He's been my dentist for a couple years now. He texted me to say that he had a friend talk to him about a option strategy called the profit wheel, where his friend was selling options, which means the friend was incurring tail risk. And Tony says it appears relatively low risk if you're paying attention. This friend was making 2% per week. Tony asked, am I missing something? The specific strategy involves moving back and forth between selling cash-secured puts on stocks or ETFs and selling covered call options. All of the return, what is the upside, is just the premium income from selling these options, just like an insurance company makes money 
by writing insurance policies and collecting premiums. That's the upside. This friend said he was making 2% per week. That seems high to me, but let's go through an example to see how this works. What is the upside to that premium income? The downside is exposure to stock market losses. Tony's doing the right thing. Before we invest, we need to be able to answer the question, what is it? What is the investment? How does it work? How do we make money? What does it take to be successful? The strategy is to sell a put option on Monday that expires in a week. It expires on Friday. The put option, if you're writing it or selling it, is the obligation to purchase a stock or ETF at a specific price on Friday when the option expires. That specific price is the strike price. The option is sold at the current level of the market. Let's say it's, it's the Spider S&P 500 ETF. We're selling that insurance. We collect the premium. And right now, for example, Spider SPY is selling for $386. If I sell a put option on that, the put option covers 100 shares of SPY. The premium that I would earn by selling that put option to enter into a contract where I have to purchase 100 shares of SPY if it falls below the strike price or the current price of SPY, $386. That's the contract. I would earn $365 for writing that put option or selling it. If I had to buy 100 shares of SPY, if I bought them at the current price, it would be 100 shares times $386 or $38,600. This strategy then of just selling put options once a week, if SPY never fell below $386, I could earn $365 a week, potentially, or $19,000 a year. That's about a 50% return based on the fact that I have $38,600 in reserve just in case I have to buy SPY to fulfill the option contract if it falls in price. And if it does fall in price, let's say if SPY fell 4%, I would have the obligation to buy 100 shares. I'd have to pay $38,600 for that because that's what a put option is. Somebody has the right to sell me 100 shares of SPY at $386 a piece. But if SPY falls 4%, it's only worth $37,000 for 100 shares. So my loss would be about $1,600. But because I got the insurance premium for writing the put option, I would only be out about $1,235. Then the way this profit wheel works is the next week, now that I own 100 shares of SPY, I would sell a call option, which gives the buyer of that option the right to purchase SPY at a specific price in the, in the future. In this case, the right to purchase it at $370, which would be the current price of SPY in our example. Now, if SPY goes up, the ETF gets called away and I don't own it anymore. But I get the premium. The premium would be about $330. But since I had lost money because the stock fell in price, overall, my total loss now, including receiving the premiums for selling the put, selling the call, and the market loss on SPY would be about $905. That's the strategy. A little complicated. Sometimes it's called theta trading. 
But it's not rocket science. You could go through the math. What could you earn with this strategy? Clearly, you're not going to earn 50% a year because the stock market is volatile. Before we continue, let me pause and share some words from this week's sponsors. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. I own a similar type strategy. I discussed this back in episode 321, how to analyze complex investments. The Wisdom Tree CBOE S&P 500 Put Right Strategy ETF, PUTW, does something similar. It sells put options at the money, at the current level of the S&P 500. Now, it doesn't do it weekly. It does it monthly. But it's a very similar strategy. It's earned 4% annualized over the past three years. And then I found one white paper that went through the end of December 2017, the 20-year annualized return for the index that follows the same strategy is 7.6% annualized. Now, it would be possible to potentially earn more in the near term if you're writing or selling put options on an individual stock rather than a diversified ETF, because an individual stock will be more volatile. And if it's more volatile, you'll earn more of a premium because the risk is higher. In this example, then, 
We're not buying tail risk protection. We're selling tail risk protection. And we can earn a premium. A reasonable expectation is 4 to 7% per year annualized. It would be very, very difficult over time to earn more than that. Now, you can go through stretches where, just like an insurance company, where the profits are, seem very, very high because nothing bad happens. And they don't have a catastrophic event, a hurricane, or something along those lines. This strategy of collecting a premium, earning income, is known as a carry trade. It's earning income and things go along very well as, as long as nothing bad happens. But when you write or sell terror risk protection, at some point, something bad does happen and you have to pay up. And that payment has to come out of the premiums that were earned over time. In this Texas storm, we saw other examples of tail risk. In Texas, the power grid is overseen by the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, or ERCOT. In Texas, they don't require power generating stations, natural gas, power generation, wind, etc., to spend additional money to protect against tail risk of severe cold or heat, to winterize the wind turbines and the natural gas pumps so they don't freeze and stop working. The idea is that the market price of energy will be enough incentive for the power generators to be able to produce power when cold hits because the price of power spikes. So they'll invest in those reserves. But they didn't. The system broke down. 46 gigawatts of power, natural gas, coal, and wind generation wasn't working in Texas. About 40% of what should have been available. And because there wasn't enough power, yet demand spiked 69 gigawatts of demand, the highest demand for winter, a record. And because there was not enough supply of power, the demand had to be reduced forcibly. So ERCOT demanded the utilities cut off the power of what turned out to be 2.8 million households. Ari Pesco, he's the director of Electricity Law Initiative at Harvard Law School, said, with everything, there's a trade-off. More resilience is potentially more expensive, but electricity is an essential service. These are hard decisions. Now there's demand for accountability that they're going to have to actually have the reserves because the market didn't work. The wholesale cost of power jumped to $9,000 per megawatt hour, yet there wasn't enough production because there hadn't been tail risk protection by power generators. The other people hurt in this storm were the consumers. In Texas, consumers have a choice to pick their electricity provider. They can choose from among 220 different providers. And they compete with price, but some of the prices are lower than others because a household's price for electricity is based on the wholesale cost of power. So as long as everything's working smoothly, their power bill is going to be lower. But if we get a tail risk event and the wholesale cost of power jumps to $9,000 per megawatt hour, then the consumer pays. Scott Willoughby, he's a 63-year-old Army veteran who lives on Social Security in a Dallas suburb, said he has nearly emptied his savings. His electricity bill was $16,752. 
It was charged over and over to his credit card 70 times. He said, there's nothing I can do about it, but it's broken me. He was exposed to tail risk. He didn't have the protection. Now there's calls to reimburse individuals like him, but this is a great example. In this case, he was self-insured against the spike in power cost. Instead of buying from a power company where there was a cap on how much could be charged, but he didn't have the buffer to cover it along with other consumers. That's why we always need to look at with any type of financial transaction. What's the exposure? What could go wrong? What's the downside? Is it worth buying protection against that? Will we be ruined if this thing happens? And if we won't be ruined, then we can self-insure and hope it doesn't happen. And then there's the opposite case where we decide that we want to actually insure other people by writing tail risk protection, such as this profit wheel option strategy I spoke of. One of the things that we saw in this Texas storm and we saw in the pandemic is what I discussed back in episode 323. The economy is not a machine. I referenced a book by Roger Martin called Why More is Not Better. He wrote, rather than producing resilient ecosystems, our obsession with efficiency is producing fragile monocultures, potentially vulnerable to catastrophic failure. No doubt the monocultures are efficient in a narrow sense, but that efficiency has a dark side. The problem is we have become so convinced that efficiency at all costs is a universal good that we have lost sight of its risk. We have stopped seeking dynamic balance entirely. The Texas power system was extremely efficient and optimized for normal operating conditions. But when a tail risk event occurred, we had a catastrophic failure. We saw that during the pandemic, when the store shelves were emptied. There wasn't any gasoline when we stopped in Texas trying to find some gas. They were all closed. And you realize that as we were stranded on the side of the road, couldn't find anybody to help, how vulnerable we are, particularly when there's some type of catastrophic event. You think, well, I'll just call 911. They'll come save me. Well, no, they won't come save us. Maybe we need more reserves. Having a generator, something LaPrell and I are going to buy, having additional reserves of food or other things to protect against uncertainty. That's what the precautionary principle is. In the face of extreme uncertainty, if we can't calculate the probabilities, then we should just take preventive action. Stop trying to increase our ability to predict the future and focus on what's the payoff. What's the exposure to both the upside and the downside? Understand that rather than try to predict what's going to happen. So consider that with any type of investment or action that you take. What are the tail risks? How could you be harmed? Should you buy tail risk protection? And are you protecting against extreme events that could ruin you? We don't need to protect against variability, normal volatility. We're trying to protect against extreme events that could cause catastrophic harm to us or our finances. If it's just volatility or variability, we, in many cases, can self-insure if we have enough margin of safety or buffer. And then if we have a reserve, perhaps we have a strategy where we're actually selling tail risk protection. 
recognizing that having to make do on those obligations will come out of the premium, the income we receive. The income isn't going to be a return because bad things do happen. So while Tony's friend looks like he's making 2% a week, that will not last. I asked him to ask his friend how much did he make in March of 2020 when the stock market did crash during a given week. Turns out the friend's only been doing this for a month or two. Long term, 4 to 7% expected return. And it's a viable investment strategy. That's why I do it. But recognize that it is selling tail risk protection in that it will have to be paid somehow, that bad things will happen. This past year, we've learned that we probably need to build more resiliency in our lives because the economic system is vulnerable to catastrophic breakdown very, very quickly, as we saw in Texas, as we saw during the pandemic. So we're going to have to be prepared ourselves. That's episode 332. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you would like to learn more about investing, there's two ways I can help with that. First, consider signing up for my Insider's Guide email list. This is an email I send to listeners where I preview that week's podcast episode, include the show note links, and share an article on money, investing, and the economy, as well as other valuable content. It's free, and you can sign up for that at moneyfortherestofus.com. Second, if you would like some additional guidance in building and managing an institutional quality portfolio, Money for the Rest of Us Plus can help you with that. Money for the Rest of Us Plus gives you access to professional-grade portfolio tools, training, and a community to help you stay on track, tune out the noise, and grow your wealth with confidence. There are model portfolio examples that will help jumpstart your investing. You can see how I'm investing and all the trades that I make, and you get access to video lessons that will help you step-by-step to create an investment portfolio that will help you achieve your financial goals. You can learn more about Money for the Rest of Us Plus at moneyfortherestofus.com. Everything I've shared in this episode has been for general education. I'm not considered your specific risk situation. I've not provided investment advice. This is simply general education on money, investing, and the economy. Have a great week.